skeptical about custom beauty, honestly, y'all, I totally get it. My feed is flooded with customize this and personalize that, all promising, you know, to fix all of our beauty, hair, and skin problems. Truthfully, I was so skeptical when I saw this brand, but I'm a total believer now. When pros says custom, they actually mean it. Their products are no gimmicks, and your formula couldn't exist without you. Each and every bottle of Pro's custom hair care and skin care is made to order and personalized with unique blends of naturally powerful and proven effective ingredients to meet your needs. Their in-depth consultation analyzes over 80 factors for a complete view of your life and beauty goals. And they get personal. Pros covers everything from your concerns to diet, exercise, and stress levels to uncover what's impacting your hair and skin health. Did you know, for example, that Minneapolis has like weirdly hard water, which apparently was affecting my hair? So like some of the ingredients that they put into my hair care was to like deal with the fact that we have hard water. Wow. I love that. They also asked me things like, you know, because I have had a baby recently, like, am I still breastfeeding? What are my hair goals? And I also really appreciated they asked like, how much effort do you want to put into your hair? Yeah, <laughs> because like I'm at the point, you know, I used to let, yeah, I used to do those, you know, put effort into my appearance, but now it's like, I just want to be able to walk out of the door without feeling self-conscious. Um, I, this is truly such a genuine endorsement. So I've really enjoyed using these products. But don't just take our word for it. In a third-party, double-blind, dermatologist-supervised control clinical trial, this is like the gold standard of all of these trials, Pros proved that personalization works better than off-the-shelf alternatives. Try it for yourself and get your healthiest hair in 30 days or your money back. Pros is so confident that you'll love your results that they're offering our listeners an exclusive trial offer so you can see the difference custom care can make. 50% off your first subscription order at pros.com slash just break up. That's P-R-O-S-E dot com slash just break up for your free consultation and 50% off your one-of-a-kind formulas, pros.com slash justbreakup. Welcome to Just Break Up, the podcast about love, heartbreak, and all the relationship advice you don't want to hear. My name is Sierra DeMolder. And I'm Sam Blackwell. And this week, we're going to tackle topics like, what is love? <laughs> <laughs> Baby, don't hurt me. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I hate myself Fe- for that. <laughs> <laughs> Feeling neglected in sex and dating with an expiration date. Hmm. But before we begin, we just want to give you our Surgeon General's warning, which is that we are not licensed or qualified in any way to be doing this podcast. No, not at all. We are not professionals. We're not trained in this. In fact, we're pretty like messy humans are you know or like fallible humans you know oh absolutely yesterday i hurt my back by sitting too long (laughs) so i'm currently sitting on a heating pad um as i record this thank you um Mm -hmm. and yeah we are trying our best please take our advice as you see fit we're just here to humbly offer our musings (laughs) how do i say that normally (laughs) (laughs) Our humble musings. There we go. (laughs) That hopefully shed a little bit of something on something, something. Yeah, that's it. Uh, Hopefully shed some (laughs) understanding and maybe some laughs on the incredibly rewarding, but mostly confusing experience that is love. All right, Sam. So the check and topic for today 
is inspired by like a life experience that a loved one of mine had recently. And I'll keep it Mm -hmm. anonymous just like because I think that's the kind thing to do. Um, But let's call this person Betty. So I so I have like a name to refer to. So Betty um, was working and was recently complained to me about like an email um, that she was getting through work um, about somebody that she was working with who she had never met, but like through her program or whatever, um, who was being really difficult via email, like so much Mm -hmm. so that Betty complained to a loved one about it, you know, like, oh, God, this person is just like being so difficult, so negative, so condescending. And um, these emails just like totally put the rest of my day in a rut. Um, and, uh, mentioned when we were catching up how, um, she was anxious about having to talk. They made an appointment to talk to this person, um, Mm -hmm. over the phone to like talk them through their logistical problems with whatever their job was. And, um, then I later heard from Betty that after speaking to this person on the phone, you know, like all of these new waves of humanity were opened up because once you speak, through the phone or like in person or in that, you know, actual, uh, the actual like face-to-face or not face-to-face communication of, of live talking, you know, all of a sudden there's no vagueness in the emails. You can't misinterpret, interpret the, what, you know, the lack of explanation points or whatever. Um, and, uh, you know, she found out that this, this man's wife had COVID and that his department was really struggling. And all of a sudden, like Mm. this, this, what, what was a very difficult, um, conversation or interaction became like entrenched with humanity. Right. And, and Mm -hmm, understanding mm -hmm. and, Honestly, um, listening to Betty talk about this, it reminded me so much of either personal experiences that I've had or experiences that I know, you know, we've read about in the podcast or what, whatever of text-based communications in, in interpersonal relationships and how texting, you know, there's so much assumption that is that that goes on even when we don't think that we're assuming things when we interact via text message. Like I assume even in the most peaceful, nonchalant text, nonchalant text conversation with my wife, I'm still assuming what her tone and her message actually is. You know, there's, Mm -hmm. I have, there's a leap of faith that I have to make with every reading of the text. Like this emoji means this, and she meant this in this tone, you know, like I, I assume that she's in a good mood because of whatever. Um, but oftentimes I'm reading those text messages in not only an assumed voice, um, but like, but through the lens of my communication style. And mm-hmm. I just wanted to like unpack some of that with you on the podcast. And because I know some people really rely on texting in dating, but also are really left sh- um, shorthanded by it. You know, it's text communication is fucking confusing sometimes. And I think it's because we forget that we're all approaching um, these communications with different understandings of reality, different uses of exclamation points, you know, um, <laughs> different emojis. So says the uh, the Gen Zs and, and the millennials. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, so much can be lost in that. And I just I just wanted to, like, literally check in about that idea. 
Yeah, I think that you're absolutely right. And I think I think what's important to remember is that like words and the things that we actually say are just one of the multiple ways of communicating right. that we engage with on a regular basis, right? Like we as humans are very social creatures and we spend a lot of our time our and energy um, doing things that convey our meaning beyond just speaking, mm-hmm. right? Like the ways that we move our bodies, the ways we gesture, our facial expressions, like how we respond when people speak, like the ways that the things that we do with our face when people talk to us um, are all incredibly important. And I think sometimes um, we get really we think that the only way of communicating, like the words are the most important part of our communication with people. And honestly, they're not, right? They are they are ways that we can convey agreed upon meanings, meanings, right? Like words have certain agreed upon meanings, which is helpful. But all of the other stuff that goes into communicating is is also as important as the thing that we are are saying with our words. And I think that that's really important for us to remember, especially in this time when we so often can't be in contact with people, mm-hmm. is that like, even if we're sending texts or receiving texts from our loved ones, right, saying like, I love you, I miss you, like, you know, communicating in that way, we are also still missing out on all of the nuance and all of the other types of communication that we that we need, including like physical touch, how people's body language, like their tone, all of that good stuff, too. Um, so it makes sense to me that like <laughs> that Betty could be reading something from a person and completely misconstrue it, even though they're both using like the shared agreed upon right. words. <laughs> right. I, I love the term like people are missing each other in these digital technologically driven connections, you know, and it's, it, it, that's why like, it's so difficult to have an argument over text message. (laughs) Have you ever Mm -hmm. had a fight over text? Because you're just literally waiting for that dot, dot, dot to stop dot, dot, dotting so that you can write your own fucking response, you know? Uh Um, I, I just think it's interesting. It's interesting to remember everything that we're talking about here. It's, it's, and I'm not trying to send a message of like, you know, because you're having a, a bad day, you're excused for being an asshole. <laughs> but I am trying to <laughs> remind myself and others, um, myself most, that I don't know what other people's, um, uh, like romantically, I don't know what other people's linguistical triggers are. You know, for mm-hmm. me, um, I'm married to a very pragmatic person. And so, you know, when when willow's busy she'll send me like a one or two word response didn't know before dating her that that was very triggering for my little anxious mind (laughs) you know what i mean um Uh and and that's just a small example of like a a, like a language-based trigger um used in text message anyway i'm sure that there's like a bunch of stuff that we could unpack here um i just thought it was interesting you know being such a technology-based generation, time in 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 the world, in history, um, we think that technology connects us a ton, and it and it definitely does. But mm-hmm. I think it's important just to remember that it's it's connecting us on a only on one superficial level, not superficial as in like worthless. It's it's so important the 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 access that technology gives us, but that. 
again, going back to that assumption that we do, we assume the way people, we assume the reading of the text message. We assume their tone. We assume their intent All the, because we're forced to, because it's mm. only one level of communication. It's not including what you were saying, like touch, facial, um, fa- uh, like our facial movements, our intonation, things like that. So, yeah, like next time you're having a fight with your boo on the on on text or next time they send you something that you think like, man, I wish like, what does this mean? (laughs) You know, Mm -hmm. Um, I guess my only piece of advice for this check in would just be. uh, Don't assume like get it from the source. What did you mean here (laughs) in person? Mm -hmm. You know? Yeah. And I think the practice of not of observing rather than like evaluating things Mm, like as you know as someone sends you a text and you're like whoa what did they just say like literally ask yourself what did they just say (laughs) right 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 right. like read the words and be like okay what what i'm going to observe what they're saying without putting sort of an assumption or or an evaluation on it uh like wow which i think is really challenging for us because we are creatures who see patterns like it's how we survive right it's like evaluating versus observing is gonna drag so many people um (laughs) when it comes to dating you know like all my anxiety comes from evaluating unnecessarily my partner's behaviors instead of observing their long-term behaviors too you know like this person's with me they're choosing Mm -hmm. to be with me but i'm gonna obsess Mm -hmm. over like the lack of eye contact today or whatever for sure. Yeah. And I think, you know, I think it's challenging to say stuff like this sometimes because of the, the multitude of letters we've received from people who are like dating horrible people <laughs> 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 that I'm like, honestly, sometimes even cautioning against it because I've seen our I've seen our letter writers fold themselves so small in order to not actually like see like evaluate things right right who's like ah this person didn't respond to me but i but it's like they didn't say anything they awful didn't read to my me, like in the words right <laughs> yeah no but like you're like no but they're saying awful things to you you just like read between the lines um but i do think that it is you know in most parts in most instances, I think assuming good intent from people is like the best way to approach a situation and to ask for clarity when people are are unclear about the things that they're saying and to do that as much as possible in like actual communication with them where you can mm-hmm. actually like get to it, um, which I know is challenging because like I hate talking to people on the phone too. Like I get it, but mm-hmm. it also is in many ways so much more helpful to like have a actual conversation with someone where it also like I don't know sometimes I also think about like the ways in which our written word because of social media and because like we can there are so many instances for us to communicate with people through written word that it often also allows us to be assholes because we don't see the impact of the thing that we're saying on other people wow right like I can write like a really nasty email to someone and then not even never know how deeply that affected them or like have to take take accountability for the fact that the things that I said were were mean or hurtful wow and I know that that's really challenging because there's the other side of it too where like you know it's hard to say hard truths it's hard to say things that are difficult to people or like to hurt people's feelings even though we know that's sometimes what we have to do 
so there's like a fine line for sure. But I, I do, I do get concerned about like, you know, people who are me too, right. Who's like, I'm going to type out this big thing and then just like send it to, into the void and like not never hear from that other person. And I think that there are times that that's a good thing to do. Like when someone has deeply hurt us and we don't want to let them back into our lives to like challenge our own reality. But also I think it's hard to sometimes like want to say really spiteful things and know that you can get away with it because like that person's not sitting in front of you, like demonstrating to you how badly they feel about the thing that you said to them. Right. I think this check-in topic is just a perfect example of (laughs) this is almost sounds like a cop out, but like the complexity of the human experience. Um, For sure. I, I often at night think about like, Oh, I I fear that our advice, I don't want anyone to assume that our advice is one size fits all because Mm -hmm. so many times like this, just this conversation right here, how you're, you're saying that you're hesitating to say this because in some circumstances we should do this and blah, 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 blah. Um, Mm -hmm. It's just a perfect example. Uh, I guess this is comforting to me because of the times in which I have struggled and am continuing to struggle. I'm comforted because I know this shit was never meant to be easy or simple <laughs> that it to be a human. And, and I've said it a hundred times to be a human and to be in relationship, any type of relations with another human, whether it's professional emailing, romantic, familial, you know, it's complicated. It's, it's messy, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. So yeah, don't, you know, don't text your fights. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know how else to summarize, like other than like trailing off into the abyss to say like, you know, this is so complicated. I need to put like a nail on that coffin. (laughs) It is. It's so complicated. (laughs) I'm not. No, we're going to go. We're going to get into some fucking hella complicated letters. I didn't even I did not mean for this to transition so nicely. But like, I think a couple of these letters are some of the most like thought provoking um, they're all thought provoking but like i was i was unsure as to what my i am unsure as to what my answers are going to be so right you want to get into the letters let's do it the first letter is from too real who is writing to us from the void dear sam and sierra firstly my biggest biggest heartfelt thank you for all that you do and the, to the wonderful letter writers too i've learned so much from listening to these exchanges of human experiences musings and words of wisdom whether my letter is chosen or not i just want to express my immense gratitude for your existence i am a 32 year old queer woman and i've been in a relationship with my girlfriend 31 by let's call her danielle for two years what started as an exciting albeit tumultuous relationship has grown into a loving affectionate one we don't live together but we live within walking distance of each other's apartments and we spend most evenings together Danielle is goofy, charming, and she makes me laugh a lot. Also, the sex is insert mind blown emoji (laughs) (laughs) and truly changed my idea of sex because I had had a very traumatic relationship to sex prior to this. And Danielle is the first person who has ever made me feel comfortable, safe, and the first person to ever make me even come. Side note, Danielle is not my first girlfriend for anyone wondering whether gender had anything to do with this. I have also never been with someone who verbalizes so often and so consistently all the things they appreciate about me. She frequently tells me how lucky she is to have found me, how beautiful and sexy I am, and all the very specific things she loves about me. I'm sure you're waiting for... (laughs) 
I love this part. I'm sure you're waiting for where I get to the part that isn't all sunshine and roses. So here it is. From the beginning of our relationship and something that contributed to its rocky start, Danielle told me that what she felt for me was more a rational decision than something born of intense feelings. She contrasts that, that this to her first girlfriend who broke her heart and who was selfish, toxic, but whom Danielle was infatuated with. Danielle has told me that. Physically, I resemble this girl a lot, and I've seen the pictures, I, so I know what she means, but that our personalities are worlds apart. Where her girlfriend was manipulative and close-minded, I'm patient, empathetic, and kind. Danielle has told me multiple times, even as recently as yesterday, that while she adores me, she is not sure she is in love with me. That Danielle has been so radically honest with me throughout our relationship about all of this has been a little confronting for me. I'm a child of immigrant parents who spent all of their lives trying to, quote, keep up with the Joneses. This essentially meant that honesty was not something I was exposed to often. Financial difficulties were unspoken secrets. Arguments and chaos were wrapped up in shame and hush-hushed. Affairs were discovered and then never talked about again. To find myself in a relationship where someone is so willing to talk about their doubts and fears has left me feeling confused, conflicted, and unsure of what to think myself. For example, I too am unsure if I am in love. I care for her deeply. We are good together. But is this love? I'm not sure if my hesitancy or not knowing is because I'm trying to protect myself in light of her sharing her feelings from the start, or if it's simply because love is just not what I'm feeling, plain and simple. But Danielle and I both want love. We want to feel deeply and with our whole bodies love. I think we are both unsure if this relationship is what where we will find it. But letting each other go feels wrong and strange in the light of all the goodness we have going on too it just feels like there's this invisible shadowy barrier that we can't quite get past but maybe has disney has sold us a fairy tale and this is love is it supposed to feel confusing and uncertain if you could shed any light on this i would be so grateful with much love too real oh thank you so much too real for writing and for being so vulnerable with this really like heady question <laughs> that's mm -hmm. obviously what like, is love <laughs> yeah and i before we like muse about our confusing opinions um i just want to say like this obviously is a stressful experience i i really feel for people who write in who are in you know committed long-term relationships and who are questioning whether or not to to stay or, to, or should I stay or should I go? Because there are so many different levels of heartbreak and there's so many different human experiences within relationships. But one I particularly feel bad for is people who, are, who it's not bad enough to know if you should leave, but maybe it's not good enough to stay. And that, and that black, that gray area is, is so hard to be in. Um, so I just want to make space to say like this, this is a tricky, tricky space that you might be in. Um, and these are some big questions that you're asking. Mm, very true. Well, and I think it, it leads me to like, want to even ask that big question of like, what is love? Um, and like, that's, that's a big one. Like, and I, and I, like Sierra said, I feel, I feel, um, not bad, but like, stressed. Anxious, <laughs> like anxious for you. Um, 
in the idea that like you're trying to not only be in a relationship with someone, but also be like, I need a clear definition and I need to figure this out before I can like mm, commit to what's mm, happening in wow. my life. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like that's a big, that's a big task that you've taken on for yourself. Um, and so like, let's talk about it. Like what, what can love be? And like in preparation for this, I wrote down like a bunch of words that came to mind when I thought about like what love could be. Right. And so like, it could be passionate, like you were talking about, like could be like all encompassing. It can be ardor. Uh, love can look like caretaking, right? Love can look like doing things at the expense of yourself for other people. Love can feel overwhelming. Love could be, can be just comforting. Love can be a sense of security, a sense of stability, Love can be rational. Mm. Love can also be irrational, Mm. (laughs) right? Like it is so many different things and it can look so many different ways that it's, Mm. I think, hard to even have a conversation to say, here's what you should look for. And until you find these things, um, you should be hesitant and you should guard your heart because you don't know what it's going to, what, what is happening until you, until you find these like very rote things. And like, honestly, like you said, you know, maybe Disney sold us on this fairy tale. I do think that there is a very understandable urge for us humans in communication and partnership with each other to want to like establish some norms about this of Mm, like, mm -hmm. this is what love is. This is what we should all be pursuing. Show me what it is so I can point to it. Yeah, absolutely. Because like, that's what we want. We want to see the pattern. We want to know what we are doing, what, how to make this, how to make the right decision um, but I think love contains multitudes. Love can look right. like so many different things. Love can not be bodily uh, like, you know, you can feel love in, in your heart and your head, right? You can feel it in your body and you can feel it outside of your body, right? Like there's just so many different ways that you can approach love that I, I just want us to be able to like understand that full scope of of all of the definitions and all of the ways that it can feel, because I don't want us to sell ourselves short by saying like, Oh, this thing isn't right. good enough because it's not what I've been told it should look like. And I want to speak to the Disney fantasy, you know, the, the Disney fantasy that I know we, we can all picture as mm-hmm. it is referenced. And I'm not just talking like, Oh, there's a prince and a princess in some heteronormative right. weird three day engagement period. I'm talking <laughs> the idea that love is immediate it's romantic, it's passionate and undeniable. And that is a lie. <laughs> that, that, mm-hmm. Sure, it can be that. And it also can be slow and rational. Um, I think the biggest point I want to make about the Disney mention is um, romance can be love, but love doesn't have to be romance. Mm-hmm. You know, um, we can we can have those dramatic expressions of love, but that that is not a compass to, that points us to love, you know. Mm-hmm. And I think that's where the quote unquote Disney stereotype, or even just like what we're we're sold in in popular media all over, all over television and books and stuff like that, is that. The idea of this romance, this passion, this undeniability is inherent to love and that we'll know it when we're in it, which I just don't I don't it's not that it isn't, but it 
there's there's not a guarantee, you know. Love mm-hmm. is is like seven thousand Venn diagrams. <laughs> 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 7,000 bubbles in a Venn diagram. You know what I mean? And yep. your definition of love falls in whatever little segment of the circles you want. Yeah, absolutely. It's interesting to me that that you, you know, talk about how your relationship is loving, right? You talk about how yes. Danielle tells you that she adores you, right? Like there's so much in this that it's like, well, this feels like, this feels like a, strong healthy relationship right Right. and i and from what i got from your letter it feels like danielle is missing what you describe as infatuation right and and love can be infatuation right like infatuation can be a huge part of love but it doesn't have to be and so i would i would say to you that like i think i think that danielle's honesty here her candor to you about like what she's going through is wonderful right like i i love the amount of honesty that you're getting i think that some people would be like i don't mm-mm, i don't want that mm-hmm. <laughs> like, I, I don't I'll want someone to like, <laughs> yeah like i don't i don't know that i want someone to tell me that they're not in love with me and that they like are only dating me rationally um that would but i would offend me to the core <laughs> continue oh no I'm i would sorry, be like go. okay go die um <laughs> I would be like, you figured, you figured that I out on your own. It's not fundamentally <laughs> about myself that would make you say that you are in love with me. <laughs> yeah, right. Well, I don't, I don't think that that's the way to go. Mm-mm. But I do think that there's a conversation to be had here with Danielle to say like, okay, but what's missing? Like, what is the thing that's not here that is that like so apparently is essential to your definition of love? Because mm. here's all the things that I'm seeing that are that are loving to me, right? Mm-hmm. Like that, that represents not just Two the years, feeling too. of, right? Yes. And not just the feeling of love, but the action of love, right? Like mm. we talk about that all the time, that love is not a feeling. Love is a choice. Love is action. And so like, it seems like all of the actions are there. It's like, so what is, what is missing from this, this scenario that she needs in order to define this as love. Because like, I'm looking at it from the outside and admittedly you wrote like, I don't know, 200 words or something. So it's like not a a full glimpse into everything, every nuance of your relationship. But so much of what you've told me is like, yeah, that looks like um, loving relationships that I've seen, right? Right. Like that looks like loving relationships that I've been part of. So what is that thing that, that she's missing and that apparently you feel like you're missing? And is it actually essential to your definition of love? I think that would be an amazing conversation starter for some deeper, more vulnerable conversations about like what your shared vision is for your relationship, what your relationship Mm -hmm. goals are. Are they aligned? You know, Um, so I definitely think you should do this. I want to add one thing, one spice into this conversation, which is I have a weird feeling about her feelings about her ex and i want to say that i recognize that you don't admit in here that she like talks about her ex anymore right that um there's nowhere in here that you're like yeah and she talks about her ex all the time and i think she's in a love with her or anything you know like i i don't know what i don't know right but i do think that something that could Something that I want to see in this relationship, whether it's written in here or not, or whether it exists or not, I guess, is 
that relationship is gone. It has to be wholly, wholly gone. Um, I, I, what I wanted to bring to this conversation is just a, a little bit, um, I want to talk about respect. Um, and I'm, I, I, I use that word rarely and I don't know what that says about me, <laughs> but, um, when Sam said, okay, so, you know, you don't love me, but I want to know what's missing. I, I also want to know, I want to know, I want to ensure that your partner respects you because I think somebody, you know, I relate to the, to the girlfriend because I used to think that, that, that passion, that infatuation, the pain equaled good love. I used to think mm-hmm. that that intensity like meant a good relationship, which yep. later on in later relationships made me, if not actively disrespect, but not respect my quality partners to the extent that they deserved. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Like yeah. I was so used to the the heart gymnastics that I had to do that when somebody gave me like a stable, loving environment, I didn't appreciate the the actual work that goes into creating a stable, loving environment. Instead, mm. I just, uh, I, maybe it's about appreciation and not just respect, but, you know, like, I, I think about this relationship and where it has to go for both of you to feel no longer, not, maybe the goal is not to feel um, unsure anymore, but instead just to feel like on the same page or like more confident, less anxious. I'm not sure what the goal is, but moving forward, I think that you have to erase any mental patterns of negative comparisons about your partner Mm -hmm. and any partner you've had in the past, your partner, your relationship, and any relationship you could imagine having with someone else. Those fantasy comparisons, I would call them, where we're like, well, I wonder if love is like this, or, you know, (laughs) I wonder if, if she was happier in this other relationship, or maybe your partner's thinking like, I'm not in love with you. I'm not in love with my girlfriend yet because... She didn't make me feel all of the things that my ex felt. Those are negative mm-hmm. comparisons, fantasy-based comparisons that disengage us with our gratitude. And our gratitude is the number one thing that will root us in reality, root us in our vulnerability, and um, and connect us with our, 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 our authentic self the most. If you think, well, what am I grateful for? What does this relationship bring me now? What, what would I not want to lose from this relationship or whatever? I feel mm-hmm. like if we can, you know, you often talk about um, switching from a, uh, how do you describe it? Like to get into gratitude, gratitude mindset versus critical or like a, go ahead. scarcity mindset. Yeah, something. You say something smart at some point <laughs> that I'm that I'm vaguely referencing. <laughs> um, <laughs> but but. Similarly, is what I'm trying to say is, can we shift from a a negative comparison or a a worry mindset of like, is this am I enough? Is this enough? Um, or you know, I wish my partner was like X, Y, and Z. Into a gratitude uh, mindset of this is who my partner is. This is what all of the good things that they're bringing to my life. Mm-hmm. Just to summarize this very meandering point. It's not that I think your partner disrespects you, but I'm not confident that she is in touch wholly and fully with 
all of the amazing things that you're bringing to her life. I don't mean that as a mm. shading thing to, to this woman. And also, honestly, with all respect to this person, they might be, this might be their whole honest truth. Like Sam said, he, he likes how honest this person is being. I do too, but I wonder if there's like a lack, a small lack of respect or, or at least a gratitude for what you are bringing to you, your relationship in this. Does that all make sense? Mm-hmm. I feel like I vomited on yeah, the microphone. I, th- I think so. And I think, um, you know, uh, intimacy and vulnerability isn't about sharing everything, right? Like, isn't yes, about like yeah. being a hundred percent honest. Um, and so would want to just, you know, I, I respect that Danielle wants to do it in this way. And I also could see what Sierra is saying, which is that like that amount of honesty isn't actually fostering vulnerability. It's like pushing someone actively And making away. you a little panicky and making you question whether you, this is love or not. Like, mm-hmm. but you're, you're right though. I, I think it's one of those complicated situations. Like, of course you want your partner to be honest, but I'm like, this feels if yeah, this, let me just say this like too real. If this was my partner, I wouldn't be able to handle it. Like, no, I, I, you, I, I wouldn't be, this would make me so anxious and insecure. And I want to be with a partner who makes me feel confident and loved, mm-hmm. you know? Yep. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I don't know that I could, I could handle someone saying that to me who I was like in <laughs> love with. And so I like, I do think too real that you can have the conversation of saying, listen, Here's all of the things that have been brought to the table in this relationship that are that are me indications or like measures of how deeply we are in love with each other. If these things aren't enough for you, then there's not going to be more things brought to this table. Mm. Right. Like and these things are really great things. These things are fantastic. These things are worthy of someone understanding them and appreciating them deeply and not be constantly searching for something that these things aren't because these things are, are fantastic and they're enough and they don't need any other things involved in them. Because I do want you to be able to be someone who has autonomy in this relationship and, and isn't sort of trying to figure out what the right switch is to get to love and instead say like, Nope, the switches are all on. Either you're seeing the love that's here or you're not. And if you're not, then I'm going to go take all of this wonderful light and electricity to someone who's going to be able to see it for what it is, which is amazing and enough and perfect in its imperfection. Yeah, I I think I wanted to like on first glance, I want to I wanted to like say everything we said first. And, And the second take, it's like, I want you to feel confident in yourself as a partner and confident in your mm-hmm. love. And I know that not everybody's experience is the same and that we all manifest our love and our life differently, but something's happening in this letter in which I want, I want you to want um, uh, more for yourself. Not that, not that your life is lacking, but like, um, you know, you deserve to be with somebody who wants to be with you <laughs> mm-hmm. explicitly mm-hmm. and not just, I don't know. Yeah. Trail off. <laughs> <laughs> Great. Excellent. Mm, thanks. <laughs> uh, so, yeah. Any other last thoughts? No, I'll just, you know, in addition to everything that we've talked about, I just want to say that it's okay to just be present, right? It is okay to just be mm. in relationship with people 
We don't necessarily need to know that it's the right or perfect thing at any given moment, Mm -hmm. but just that this is, this is fulfilling me. This is supportive of me. This is, uh, I'm trusting that this is a good thing and it's okay to do that. You don't necessarily have to have the perfect definition lined up and to be able to see every aspect of your relationship in that perfect definition in order for it to be a good thing. And so I think Sierra and is right in saying like, let's take full stock and just make sure that we're being good advocates for ourselves and that we are um, appreciative of the things that we're bringing to the table and and knowing that those are wonderful things that we're bringing. And also I think too, setting our, giving ourselves space to just be in the moment and to just be like, we don't have to figure this out immediately. We can just sort of sit in this and and appreciate it for what it is Mm -hmm. instead of trying to, to, to figure it out immediately. That was perfect, Sam. Thank you so much. Mm -hmm. All right. Too real. Thank you so much for writing. We hope that this helps. Absolutely. Thank you so much for writing. We love you. All right. Y'all know that Sam and I record every single episode of Just Break Up virtually. So I literally see this beautiful person on Zoom like multiple times a week. And every time Sam pops up into Zoom, I comment on their outfit. And I swear, like 99% of the time, I'm like, oh my God, that outfit is so cute. Where did you get it? Sam says quince. You too can upgrade your wardrobe with luxury essentials at unbeatable prices. Quince is here to transform the way you shop with a range of high quality items priced within reach. That's right. They have 100% Mongolian cashmere sweaters for $50, organic cotton sweaters, washable silk tops, and timeless 14 karakal jewelry. And the best part, all Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. By partnering directly with top factories, Quince cuts out the cost of the middle person and passes that saving on to us. And Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and and premium fabrics and finishes. I love that. Y'all have heard me talk about my leather bag that I use as both a laptop bag and a diaper bag. And I love it because (laughs) (laughs) honestly, it looks really cute in every single circumstance that I use it. Indulge in affordable luxury. Go to quince.com slash just break up for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash just break up to get free shipping and 365 day returns. Quince.com slash just break up. All right, head and heart workers, you know, I'm all about tackling our money shame and becoming fiscally empowered, regardless of how much money we make or how much debt we have. I think it's such a crucial step in our own self-acceptance and empowerment. That's why I love that today's episode is sponsored by Rocket Money. Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps lower your bills. With Rocket Money, you can see all of your subscriptions in one place. And if you see something you don't want, you can just cancel it with a tap. You never have to get on the phone with customer service. They'll even try to get you a refund for the last couple of months of wasted money and negotiate to lower your bills for you by up to 20%. All you have to do is take a picture of your bill and Rocket Money takes care of the rest. 
Rocket Money has over 5 million users and has helped save its members an average of $720 a year with over $500 million in canceled unwanted subscriptions. And listen, we always talk to you about like conflict styles and open and honest communications, but honestly, save your energy and get Rocket Money to cancel those subscriptions for you. <laughs> Stop wasting yeah. you money. You don't need to practice that. Yeah. We don't need to do head and heart work with like customer service representatives. You know what I mean? Like just like... Use the middle person. <laughs> Just get Rocket Money in there to help you do what you need to do. Stop wasting money on things you don't use. Cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com slash justbreakup. That's rocketmoney.com slash justbreakup. Rocketmoney.com slash justbreakup. All right. Our next letter comes from Ashley, who is writing from The Void. Hi, First of all, let me say, I love listening to your podcast. I work in a warehouse, which can be very monotonous. So it's good to have a little laugh under my mask while listening. I love that image. Right. All right. The reason I'm writing is that I need some advice. I feel like my partner's foot fetish is ruining our sex life. We have been together for over a decade with two children. And as the years have gone on, he has expressed more opening of his extreme fetish, saying it consumes his thoughts at Mm. times. It has made it hard to be intimate as he would rather rather rub my feet, lick, slash I don't want to get too explicit in the details, but I'm sure you can fill in the rest. So as that is his preference, it kind of leaves me high and dry. It's like while he's making love to my feet, I want to shout, hey, don't forget about me up here. He does offer to do things in return to please me, but by the time he is done doing his thing, I'm just so over it, Mm. disgusted, and feelings of being used. If he offers to pleasure me first, I can I just cannot get the thoughts out of my mind that I know what's coming after, so I'm really not enjoying myself. I cannot openly tell him how much this is affecting my thoughts of him because I'm worried that it will hurt his feelings. It's a very sensitive topic for him, but at the same time, this is not this is his burden, not mine. I should not feel ashamed to speak of it to my friends so I can vent like normal girlfriends do, but it's so hush-hush with him mm. that I just hold it all inside. What I need advice on is, do I just try my best to accept this fetish? Keep pretending that things are all right? Try to find some side thing to fulfill my sexual needs? I'm at a loss. I'm 30 years old, and sometimes I feel like this is a life sentence for me. Please help. Wow. Thank you so much for writing, Ashley. Uh, Yeah, this sounds like such a heavy burden. Um, And... and a heavy burden to carry in a decade long relationship. You know, you're, Mm -hmm. you are, you are deep in this and I, we know that you're committed to making your relationship right. Um, and work obviously from these concessions that you've been making. Um, but Sam and I want you to start making some space for your needs in this relationship or else, like you said, you're going to find it elsewhere. You're going to find love, sexuality, desire elsewhere um and because that's what you deserve right like you deserve to feel desired you deserve to have good sex and i do want to make space for the difficulty that is sexual incompatibilities when partners who truly love each other who are invested in a life together are not sexually sexually compatible that's like a its own particular form of like heartbreak poison you know that you Mm -hmm. swallow a little bit every day um it's it's so hard because you feel like you have to you feel like you're denying yourself something or that you're hiding this dirty secret or or Mm. 
the the heartache of trying to balance, well, what am I willing to compromise on and what is actually like slowly killing me, you know, or or mm-hmm. or starving me of, of something essential that I need. And that's so painful. Um, I can feel your stress from this letter. Absolutely. And I think it that this situation is really fraught in in a very particular way, right? Which is that, you know, we don't want to kink shame people, right? right? Like we don't want to say like, oh, he's got a foot fetish. That's disgusting. Or like whatever it is, right? Because it's not, it's absolutely not. Like these types of sexual uh, things are absolutely normal and, um, and wonderful. And, you know, people should be able to explore them in the same way that people who have a fetish for like heterosexual vanilla sex have been able to explore their <laughs> fetish for a long, a fe- long yeah. time. <laughs> yeah, right. All sex is a fetish. Um, yes, all, it is. I will go to the bat that all sex is a, a fetish and that like we need, we normalize some of those fetishes and we don't normalize other fetishes. I so, also like, love that you just said go to the bat. <laughs> Which just like continues our terrible ability to have, I don't know, sports references on our show. It's go to the mat, isn't it? <laughs> and also it go is. to bat for. <laughs> okay. I will go to the bat Wrestling, for this. Baseball. I don't know. What's the difference? I love it. I, um, I love when you get fired up on your you know English major dissertations about how right. all sexual interaction is a fetish. Yes. Okay. Um, go ahead. Um, right. And so like, I can understand the unique type of anxiety here because it's not just that like sexual incompatibility is happening, but it's also that like a, a part of him has come out in the terms of your relationship and, and you don't want to shame him for it. Mm-hmm. And also it's different than what you are into. Right. And like both of those things can be true at the same time. His foot fetish and the things that he finds sexually gratifying can be not shameful, can be like wonderful and loving and and important. And also they can be different from what you want out of sex too, right? And and that's a really challenging place to be in because there's just so much tied up in right. sex and shame and the ways in which we vilify people who um, don't have a fetish for vanilla heterosexual sex. And so like, I just understand the complexity of this, but I want to affirm to you that you're not a bad person if you don't share this type of sexual want with your partner, right? Like it doesn't mean that you're not hip. It doesn't mean that you're not with it, right? Mm-hmm. It doesn't mean that you you aren't, um, you're not, yeah, compassionate to what your partner needs. And also it's okay for you to say that's not for me. It's right. not for me. And, it, and that isn't a, a judgment of you as a person or the things that you're into, but just that, it's not something that I share. Right. When I think about sexual compatibilities or incompatibilities, especially in context of fetishes, um, I think about fetishes on a continuum, you know, that on one side or a spectrum on one side, um, it's like that you occasionally enjoy to dabble in it every once in a while you want to, you know, role play or you, you enjoy thinking about this and every once in a while it's something that you indulge. And the other side of the spectrum is your fetish is intrinsically connected to your ability to feel pleasure and that you cannot feel pleasure without participating in whatever fetish, right? Um, mm-hmm. It is literally required for your pleasure. And I can't 
tell from your letter, but it sounds like your husband is leaning, at least in this stage of his life, leaning towards that far um, side of the spectrum that this this has thus far or you have allowed it to be, not in, not in a blaming way, but you two have fostered a sexual dynamic that 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 foot play is required for his pleasure. Mm. And it sounds like at one point in your life it wasn't, like that it has gradually slid down that scale. And um yep. and I encourage you to use this idea of a continuum to like, spoiler alert, sorry, but the only way you're going to get through this is having an open and honest conversation with your husband that is going to be uncomfortable. You are going to risk discomfort and you're going to risk triggering both you and your partner. But that is, unfortunately, the only path <laughs> to, to like a higher connection, to, to better compatibility, to, to resolving this so both of your needs are met, right? Um mm-hmm. But I, I encourage you to use this idea of a continuum to ask your partner in this honest, vulnerable conversation, where do you think you fall on this spectrum, on, on, this, on this continuum of, of fetish, so that we can figure out how we can fit my sexual desires into our sex life? How can, how can we, you know, like, if, if he's a hard... I only want to do foot play and have have sex with your feet. Um, then, then that's like a that's like a bigger incompatibility issue that you have to then contest with. Um, but if he's like, oh, you know, you can phrase it like, you know, I love making you happy. I love making you feel pleasure. I like being what you want to turn to sexually. But I need to make more space for me. I, the phrase. Hey, don't forget about me up here is so fucking relatable. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. And it, it, it just tells me exactly, a, a, you know, at the core of what you're feeling is that you're not feeling fulfilled. And you have a right as a spouse, as as a human to say to your loved one, I, I need I need to be here a little bit more. We need to make more room for me Um as well as your desires, right? Like from what what I am guessing from your letter, you wouldn't mind continuing to do foot play, but like less, <laughs> you know, like you wouldn't <laughs> yeah, mind right. um, making space for his, continuing to make space for this fetish, but you just don't want to do it all the time. The, 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 the dynamic is off and you can use these words when you talk to your husband. I, I am not ashamed of you. I don't um, think poorly about you because you have this fetish. I love having sex with you. I desire you. But there is not enough of my desires and my kinks and my pleasure, the things that bring me Mm -hmm. pleasure in our sex life. And I want to even the scales. Absolutely. Um, I think that that's a super important question to have or conversation to have. I also think that that more conversation about this in general is going to be really is going to be helpful for you. Right. You talk about how it's all hush hush. So you can't talk about it with your girlfriends, but I would also want you to have a conversation, be able to have more conversations with him about this. Right. And so, because I think if you can have more conversations about this and say things like, honey, I appreciate that, that this is something that, that gives you a lot of pleasure. I don't see myself in it right now. Like I don't see how I am involved Mm -hmm. in this. 
And that is making it really hard for me to get into it. So let's talk about like why this is so sexy for you. Like what part of it? And then like also like what parts of it are specific to me, right? Like it's not just about like feet writ writ large, right? Like is it like what about my feet? Like what about my feet makes you so excited? Like and and like sort of understand that type of thing. Um, because I think that'll make it easier for you to like get into it, right? Like Mm -hmm. that I have for sure had sexual incompatibilities with people in the past, but understanding why the things that they do are, are like turn them on, why those things about me specifically in, in the things that they're into turn them on have made it much easier for me to like figure out how to be fully present in those moments. Because it's like, oh, this isn't about how he wants to lick my toes. This is about like he wants to lick my toes <laughs> and he wants to do it in this. And like, here's the way that he's like processing through it. And like, here's why he's so into this has helped me be like, OK, th- I can get into this, too. Like, I can get into how much he is turned on by this thing and that it's like me specific. So if you can have more conversations about what this fetish means to him and like how it shows up it might make it easier for you to really see yourself right you know instead of saying like hey don't forget about me up here instead be able to like say like no he i am still here right like this is this is also about me but i I, these types of conversations that sierra and i are talking about aren't going to happen unless you have these conversations right like unless you actually sit down and say like we can't be hush hush about this anymore because this is deeply affecting our relationship and how i'm able to show up in it so like we need to talk about it and if he's not able to talk about it, then then you need to find something else, <laughs> right? Like, if he's not able to talk about it, then then there's no way that you can get past this impasse, basically. Unless, like you said, you get better at pretending like this is okay. And I don't want that to be the way that you approach this situation. Right. Absolutely. I, And I also want to tell you, you're not a bad... I think Sam kind of reiterated this earlier, so maybe I'm just, like, repeating him. But, like, you're not a bad wife or, like, a bad person if you for saying no to to something you don't want to do sexually. I really like that Sam reminded us of ways that we can expand our understanding of our our partner's desires so that we can better process them and and then authentically decide whether or not we want to participate in them, right? Um, I don't think your husband is being problematic by wanting to fuck your feet, right? But I just want to give you explicit, like, after reading this letter, all I want to do is say, like, you should just have, like, a a month-long break (laughs) where, like, you just don't have to deal with that. You know, you don't, because I understand how the body can be so easily, like, our our muscle memory mm-hmm. is so triggering and, and with sex, you do feel dirty and or not dirty. That's not correct, but you feel used. That's, that's the word I'm looking for, you know? Mm-hmm. And I don't, I want you to be able to reconstruct your, your sexual relationship with your husband in a way in which you can have foot play that doesn't trigger you to have these negative mm-hmm. self-effacing thoughts. Um, yep. And that might start by saying like, giving yourself permission to say, I don't want to do this. And that doesn't make me a bad wife. It doesn't make me, um, an, an, a, a bigoted asshole who doesn't respect people with fetishes and it doesn't make me mean. Okay. The line in Mm -hmm. here, I cannot tell him how much this is affecting my thoughts of him because I'm worried it will hurt his feelings. That is an impossible sentence. 
It is an impossible equation that you are setting yourself up for. You right. it, you cannot move through life without hurting people's feelings. You cannot be a, I'll just say it, like an honest and effective significant other without risking hurting your partner's feelings. That is just mm-hmm. a part of reality, especially if you want your partnership to continue down the journey of vulnerability and closeness and sustainability. Like the potential for pain, the potential for hurt feelings is always there. And we, and honestly, sometimes we just have to lean into it. There's no way to advocate for your desires in this situation without potentially hurting your partner's feelings. Am I saying go out and be a huge dick about it? Obviously not. No, but this is an you're putting an impossible pressure on yourself to to fix this problem and not hurt his feelings. Absolutely. And just a reminder to you, it's not a tit for tat, but he's hurting your feelings every time that you <laughs> have sex. Yes, like exactly. This. You like, are obviously making, hurting. Yeah, he's he unintentionally. Right. Like, I don't think that he's like a, right. a bad person who's trying to do mean things to you. But unintentionally, he is hurting your feelings every time that you have sex because you feel neglected and you feel like, hey, pay attention to me up here. Right. right? Like, and so I, I, I don't think that there's like a tit for tat. He hurt your feelings now hurt his. But just to acknowledge the fact that feelings are being hurt right. over and over That's again in life. this relationship. It's it, part of a, how we hurt feelings is a part of loving relationships. Absolutely. And so being honest and being kind by talking about this kind of stuff will help you alleviate hurt feelings in the future, right? Like we can only go into situations knowing what we know and making decisions based on what we know. And so having these types of conversations that are really uncomfortable, that are like, that make us panic, that make our like ears go up to our, or our shoulders go up to our ears. Right. But these are the types of conversations that allow us to actually do things that make us hurt each other less. Right. (laughs) Like that make us like be able to make decisions that inflict less pain, because that's really that's really what this type of conversation and communication is about, is like knowing where where to step and where not to step in partnership with people. Um, And right now he's stepping all over you and you're like. But I don't want to I don't want to step on his toes. Right. And like, I just want to say, like, get it toes. <laughs> right. Exactly. <laughs> but you have you are allowed to establish boundaries in your sex life. You are allowed to to say no to foot play. If you don't want to do foot play, you are allowed to say I'm feeling neglected in our sexual relationship right now. And and I just want you to to be able to see that in yourself, to be able to see the power that you have in this relationship, to be able to have these conversations and be able to make things different than the way that they currently are, because you deserve to be loved. You deserve to be, to have attention on you when in sex, right? Like you deserve to also experience pleasure. Um, and, and the fact that those, those pleasures might be incompatible right now, doesn't mean that they a always have to be, Right. You can talk about it and you can figure out a way to make it work or B that you're a bad person um, and that you are trapped in this forever. Right. These types of conversations allow us to make informed decisions about whether or not we stay or we go. And and at this point, I think that that's that's really the next step is being able to talk about this without having to hide it. I totally agree. All right, Ashley, we hope that this helps. Thank you so much for writing. We love you. We love you. 
Our final letter comes from Lauren Anand, who is writing to us from Seattle. Hi, Sam and Sierra. I just discovered your podcast recently, and I can't help but feel like I found it at the exact right time. Thank you for your love and for helping troubled souls like me. My girlfriend, she, her, and I have been in a relationship for almost two years. We met while completing our master's degrees in Scotland, and not to brag, but our story is Netflix-worthy. Met in Scotland, traveled to Africa together, shared a bed and a tent, and had a crush on each other, but didn't know if the other was gay, eventually confessed it late at night, etc., etc. We got together mid-2019 and very quickly became inseparable. There is, however, a huge catch. My girlfriend is from a non-LGBTQ-friendly country, is deeply in the closet, Her parents are anti-LGBTQ, and she intends to eventually marry a man, as is stipulated by her religion. She is Muslim, and her cultural interpretation is very anti-gay. I want to be clear that I have not done anything to reject her religion. I have never said anything negative about Islam, primarily because, like all religions, I believe it can be practiced in a loving way that does not condemn homosexuality. I understand why eventually she plans to marry a man. I have done my best to to learn about and respect her religion, and I even fasted with her for Ramadan to support her during that spiritual time. She's bisexual, so it's not impossible for her to fall in love with a man, but it obviously hurts my heart to know that someone I love so much doesn't see a long-term future with me. I knew this to a degree going into the relationship, but she always said we weren't going to last and then has pushed our timeline When we got back from Africa, she said it was over and then quickly overturned that. Once our visas expired in January 2020 and we had to go home, she said we would have to break up. We both went to our respective countries heartbroken, and she begged to have me back about two weeks later. I was supposed to go visit her in March 2020, but hello, COVID. Believe it or not, all of this is just the backstory. We have been happily making it work long distance this year with the intention of moving in together when we can figure out how to be in the same country again. She got a job working for a nonprofit I've collaborated with in the beginning of the year based in her home country. I have experience in the area of the world and field, and in November 2019, they sent me an email recruiting me for a work-from-home position with the possibility of moving me to their country in six months depending on COVID as well as my performance. I was so excited and took this as a sign that all this hardship and long distance was worth it and that we were moving in the right direction. She reassured me that she was excited to live together and work together and that she was very much in love with me. Fast forward to about a week before Christmas 2020, she broke up with me via text message with very little explanation and I was devastated and confused. I didn't understand why she was doing this and I didn't understand how she went from looking at apartments for us to dumping me. I have blocked her on almost everything, but somehow a message from her got through on Christmas Eve. I responded, and we've been communicating ever since. She told me that she's been feeling guilty because she could not realistically promise me more than one more year together before we had to break up, and she had start she had to start looking for a man to marry. We're both 26 if this context is helpful. Finally, the guilt got to her, and she didn't want to keep lying and just panicked and broke up with me. She told me that she regrets the breakup, that she wants us to be together for another year, and that she loves me. I told her that it was unfair to take that decision from me, and if she had just talked to me like an adult, we could have had this year to be together and enjoy finally getting to live together and be together in person for more than just a few months. I also told her that the way she was treating me was not with love, but that I still loved her— 
but didn't trust her. And moving forward, if we were even to have a friendship, she would have to earn back my trust. That was a lot of words, but hey, I have a lot of questions. Primarily, what the fuck should I do? I don't know if I want to get back together with her, but at the end of the day, she's my best friend and I love her and I hate the idea that we could have more time together and didn't take it. I feel pathetic, but my heart is telling me to take advantage of the love I have with this person while my head is telling me to break that a breakup from a year from now is going to hurt just as much as this current breakup does. She was my first real girlfriend and was a big motivator and supporter in coming out to my family as a lesbian. I feel like I'm going through the relationship and breakup that I should have had in high school, but didn't because I was so in the closet. I didn't even know what true requited love and attraction was until I met her. Part of me knows that I don't deserve to be treated like this, but I can't help but think she can get better about her communication and that maybe things could get better. And if we do get back together, how can we build that bridge of trust again? She has told me she is sorry and that she wants to be better, but she can't seem to tell me how she is going to be better. And when she asks me, I don't know what that looks like other than going back in time and not fucking breaking my heart the first time, LOL. I love her so much and I would do anything for her, but at what point does being does that become toxic to me? And is it horrible to think that maybe after a year she will once again push our timeline and let us be together for longer? Also, what do I do about this job? I want it. It's in a field that I love with an organization that I know and trust, and I think it could really advance my career. But I'd be moving to a country in which I have no support system other than her, and I don't speak the language. I genuinely say that I would probably take this job even if we break up and never speak again, but am I stupid for wanting to move in with her and have that support system while totally turning my life upside down, even if it's not permanent? Especially after how hard things have been this past year, I just want some fucking joy in my life. Thank you and all my love, Lauren. Oh, Lauren. (laughs) This is, in a word, a pickle. Sam and I have chosen to read this letter we've had it for at least three weeks but we've just sort of (laughs) postponed answering it because it is just such an interesting complicated hard question that like every Mm -hmm. time we were picking letters it was like i'm not ready like my heart is still confused (laughs) on this so um so please know that we have put a lot of thought and intention into this letter and mm. we see what a fucking pickle this is um, and how there's there's a lot of things coming at you at once from different angles. Absolutely. Yeah, this is just like a a multitude of different layers that are that are going on here, like between like cultural differences, between religious differences, between um, distance, like. Work All stress. of these things. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Trust. Um, like, oh my God, fucking just trust. And a time. Seriously. A, an end date on a relationship or an expiration date on a relationship that is so anxiety inducing. Because mm-hmm. um, the question is like, oh, well, what if we could have this we, 12 happy months? Like, should we take these 12 happy months um, knowing that it was going to end? Like that that mm-hmm. alone without all the these other intersecting things. Um, is a tricky, challenging question. Yeah, and also a pandemic too. Let's yeah, add that yeah, one yeah, on yeah, there. Yeah. <laughs> um, I want to say uh, before I make Sam talk first, <laughs> I just want to say explicitly that another reason why this was 
I had to sit on this letter for a long time is because I don't have any lived experience about cultural incompatibilities like this. You mm-hmm. know, being a queer person, having to come out, having some um, friction in my family over um, being with my partner. Um, I can all relate to that, but I I, I don't have any lived experience about um, a, a huge cultural um, barrier that that presents as an incompatibility in my relationship. And I... I just want to vocalize that and and just say I I can't imagine I can't imagine how painful this is um, for your partner um, what a what a particularly painful position you both are in um, and that it sucks like it's one of those lived experiences that you're like this just like straight up isn't fair and I wish it, I wish it was easier absolutely um, and I think that these. Again, we talk about this all the time, but like these issues of incompatibility um, are just so challenging, right? right? Because it's always like, oh, but for this one Mm -hmm. thing, we would be we would be made for each other. Right. But that one thing can also be so big that, right, that the ninety nine point nine percent of other stuff that's really great can be completely undermined by that one issue of compatibility but this is also a big issue of compatibility, right? Like this isn't just like, Oh, you know, she folds her socks this way and I fold them this way. Right. Like this is a fundamental difference in what you see as your future and like what Mm -hmm. you want out of your future. And I know that this person that you're dating, right. Like is giving you a lot of mixed signals, right? Because they're like, they're keep, they keep moving the deadline. Like they keep pushing things off. They're like, I, I don't see myself being with you for forever. And yet I want to be with you so badly. Um, and I can totally appreciate and understand that that's like a really challenging position for her to be in. Like I can, I can totally, um, if not empathize, at least like sympathize that that's like a challenging position to be in. And, and that's really real. And also like, she's telling you something really explicit, which is that, she doesn't see a relationship with you long term. And what you want desperately from this is a long term relationship, right? Like, yeah. at the end of the day, that's the incompatibility, which is like big. That's mm-hmm. a, that is a big one to have such very different visions for your future. And I know that she is like giving you all these signals that aren't necessarily compatible with what she's saying, which is that she is going to find a man to marry and it's not going to be you. But I want you to hear what she's saying in that instance, because you deserve someone who is not going to say that shit to you. Right. right. Like, even if you can trick her into loving you for the rest of time, like you shouldn't have to trick someone into loving you for the rest of time. Right. Mm. Like you should be with someone if you want to be in a relationship with someone that is long term monogamous. Great. You need to find someone who is wanting to do that with you, because like I know that that this person is wonderful and she sounds amazing and your story sounds so sounds like a netflix original movie right like it sounds like there's so much at play here but i can't see a point in which you are not begging her to love you right like i'm Mm. not i'm not seeing a point at which you have autonomy in this yeah right and i i don't see a point at which you have autonomy in this right like everything is on her terms and 
And it feels like your job, the way that this relationship has positioned you, is that your job is to convince her into, like, trick her, really, is what she's asking you to do in this moment. Trick her into not going for the thing that she may or may not want to do in in reality, (laughs) right? And, like, that's not, you don't want to be that. You don't want to be that person that has to constantly be trying to persuade the person to stay with you like that's not it that just eats away at your soul so quickly and undermines your sense of self and i i know that she's like not a bad person for doing this right she's a person who is who is working through her own shit and also what she's asking you to do is a really really gross thing honestly like i'm just gonna say it like i can understand why this is happening but also it's just not fair to you to be to ask for her to ask you to be in this position all the time. Yeah. And I feel a lot of compassion for the girlfriend, for the ex or whatever, because I see her. There's a lot of um, intersecting identities that feel like they don't um, belong together, getting mashed mashed up right now with the potential of this relationship and Mm -hmm. nobody wants to look at someone when they love and say you know who i am or who where i come from um we don't match you know uh and i want to say explicitly like that i think i think that whatever manifestation of your ex's queerness at the at the moment at, at the current moment is valid right um, she's still queer if she marries a man next year. She's mm-hmm. still queer um, if she uh, never sleeps with another woman. She's still she's still queer if she never tells anyone and never comes out to her family. Um, so all of all of the pieces, the working pieces of her experience are valid, and and this exploration in trying to find a way to to be all of herself at once is painful and messy and is probably accounts for some of the pain that she is causing you because um i i can imagine i couldn't imagine being in her shoes i um it's painful for me to think about um and at the same time this exploration that she's doing whether it's hurting her or not is 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 part of her journey and what it comes down to me this is this is what i like took three weeks to figure out what i wanted to say to you um lauren we have been taught from a really young age we've been indoctrinated this idea to prioritize love romance partnership over peace over internal peace over our life's peace um we we put love before peace and that equation results in so much turmoil in our lives, right? Right now, if you looked at this situation and you said, instead of my love for this person, instead of my, instead of my desire to be her partner, I'm going to, I'm going to prioritize peace in my life. How would that shift your perspective on this relationship, your perspective on this job opportunity? Um, I remember once when I was like going through, I'm sure I've spoken about it before, but when I was going through a really hard time, 
I shifted my thinking away from productivity, success, finding a relationship into, I shifted it from, I took those things away and just prioritized feeling happy. And all of a sudden I realized that the steps that I was taking towards success or the steps I was taking in my relationships weren't fucking making me happy. And so I put that above all else, happiness. And I, and I want to challenge you to put peace above love in this instance, because Mm. while your girlfriend's experience is so challenging and that her love for you is obviously genuine. She is in an impossible position to love you in the way that you deserve. And you too are in an impossible position to love her wholly in the way that you both deserve. Um, and that I, that staying in a relationship that has an expiration date is not cultivating peace. It's cultivating temporary love, right? With a guaranteed painful ending. Mhm. Yeah, no, I think that that is absolutely true. Um and I love that idea of of really taking yourself off the conveyor belt. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like I've been thinking about this a lot recently cuz you know, I've also <laughs> gone through a job change um and sort of like this understanding that I often find myself operating under of like assumed next steps about things like uh, what what comes next is obvious like oh and this is just what we're working towards and this is where we go right and and intentionally taking a step off of that conveyor belt and saying like is this what i want i don't i don't know and it feels like this relationship is on a conveyor belt with a set end that has been that has been articulated for you right um and again totally understanding that your partner is going through a whole lot of stuff in this and is like is doing the best that she can with this, the tools and resources she has available to her while also saying like you don't have to be on this conveyor belt but the conveyor belt does have an end right mm. like mm. it is moving forward it is going and you know what that end is going to look like and you know And so you have to ask yourself, do I want to be on this? You have the ability to step off of it. You have the autonomy to be able to do it. There are other things out there that aren't this sort of like assumed forward movement. And getting off the conveyor belt is not backpedaling. It is not going back. It is not um, it is not erasing all of the things that you've done or the, the, the way that you've moved so far. But it is important for us to recognize that like we have more choice in this than sometimes we give ourselves. Um, and you you have the ability to take a step off of this. You have the ability, you know what? I'll say this instead. You have the ability to say to to this woman that you love and who clearly loves you, I don't want to be in a relationship where I am secret or where there's an expiration date. Are you able to meet me in that want out of a relationship? And if she's not, then she's not, right? Like, I think so much of this is like is being framed as in like such a scarcity mindset, Mm -hmm. right? Like we talk about this all the time of like, oh, I just need to be grateful for the fact that I get her for this long. Um, And I don't think that that's necessarily the right way to frame this. Like if you wrote in with different circumstances, I might say the exact opposite thing and say like (laughs) practice gratitude for what we have, right? Be in the moment, be present. But in this instance, it's just like, I, you are being asked to be grateful for so little. Right. <laughs> like, right. And I, and I just fundamentally disagree with the, fa- the idea that um, you should be happy f- with the little that she's giving you. Thank you for writing 
and trusting us with this very complicated, heavy heartbreak of yours. And um, we hope our musings help um, help you prioritize your peace and recognize that while your love is good and worthy, I, I don't think that it's meant to stay here and grow here. Yeah, you know, we always talk about how, and I think some of this also comes up in your letter of, you know, you know, I can't help but think that she can be better about her communication and that maybe things will get better, right? Like we talk about this all the time, but this is her 100%. And the reasons, the multitude of reasons why it's her 100% at this point don't necessarily matter because it feels to you like not 100%, right? <laughs> right? Like it feels to you like 50 or 70 or 30%. And, and I want to say to you, like, I don't want you to live your life trying to convince this person to be with you. I don't want you to have to live your life trying to push them to to get to that 100% that you are looking for because at this moment that's this is the best that they can do and this is them showing up as authentically as possible. And I know that that's really hard to to hear and I know that it's really frustrating when our understandings of sort of what our relationship can and should look like can be so different, but you deserve someone who can, who's hundred percent feels like a hundred percent to you. Mm. Lauren, we hope you feel a little bit less alone. We hope this helps. Absolutely. Thank you so much for writing. We, we love, love you. you. All right. This brings us to the blind date segment of the show. Every episode, we want to shout out something we want to set you up with this week. We are sending you home with, it's a recommendation from Peter. Um, Peter! That's right. It's called Dance Church. Um, I love this. It's this, this <laughs> right? It's a, a group of people. I don't know where they are based, but they do um, like a workout video every week. Um, it's usually on Saturdays or Sundays. It's called Dance Church. And it's like just a bunch of people dancing to really good music. And it's it's from what I can tell and from what he really likes about it is that it's not like you know, a jazzercise, like do these moments or these movements in this way, but much more of a, just like, how do we foster ourselves to dance? Like <laughs> the joy, comfort in dancing, mm-hmm. the joy of moving our bodies around in, in ways that work really well for us. Um, like, you know, building up, you know, we're going to do a warm up, So like this, this type of dance will do slow. They'll be like, get on the ground and do different types of dances on the ground. But it's much less of a, like, do this this routine and more of a, how do we come together in community to really like get excited and feel the joy of dancing and moving our bodies and, and having a good time. Is it hosted on Zoom? It's actually streamed. Um, so if you go to go.dancechurch.com, um, you can either... Uh, show up to their live classes for free, which, or like give a small donation, or you can subscribe for $19 a month and then get access to all of their back catalogs of dances so that you can do them whenever you want. So, um, he's just found like a lot of love and joy in doing that. And so I thought I would share it with you all. That's lovely. All right, everyone. Thank you so much for listening. You can like us on Facebook and you can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Just Break Up Pod. You can slide into our DMs, send us your favorite relationship meme. But most importantly, you can submit your questions about all matters of the heart at JustBreakUpPod.com, which is also where you can find our merchandise. 
please remember to follow us so that you can get your episode every Monday exclusively on Spotify and consider supporting us on Patreon. If you support us on Patreon for as little as $5 a month, you'll get an additional bonus weekly episode as well as access to our back catalog of more than 100 episodes. That's patreon.com slash justbreakuppod. This literally keeps our mics on and helps us reach more brokenhearted souls who need two random strangers giving them relationship advice. Original music, recording, editing, producing, all magical things by our friend Big Cats. Make sure to check out his podcast, the What If Podcast. And remember, this thing that you're going through, the thing that is sitting heavy on your heart or keeping you up at night or causing you pain or stress or anxiety, it sucks. It's hard. But you, you can do hard things. You've done them before. Growing is painful sometimes, but you are capable, you are brave, and you'll see yourself through. And if all else fails, just break up. Just break up.